0: ladies and gentlemen welcome to the show today i have a good friend of my own and of soltara mr dorian yates six-time mr olympia champion who i'm sure you've seen on a number of other popular shows such as london real or valutainment dorian shares his experience of the last year that we've all undergone and we talk about his recovery and his upcoming retreat at Sultara, along with some of his previous ayahuasca experiences. So if you're a fan of Dorian, check out the interview. It's a great chat and a great catch-up with this amazing human being. And of course, this episode has been brought to you by Sultara Healing Center, Shipibo Healing Center in Costa Rica. If you feel called to work with ayahuasca under the Shipibo tradition in Costa Rica, check us out at Soltara.co or on social media at Sultara Healing Center. Lots of cool stuff and content on social media, Instagram, Facebook, et cetera. And uh, you can also call us at 1-800-397-1730 and we'll be happy to attend your questions. Thanks again for listening. If you don't mind helping us out with a review and a rating on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, that would be absolutely appreciated. And uh, of course, we love it when you hit that subscribe button as well. So thanks again and enjoy the show. Mr. Dorian Yates, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to see you. It's been too long. We haven't seen each other in like, what, a year and a half, maybe two years even?
1: Yeah, certain events conspired against, uh, against me getting over to Saltaro, unfortunately, last year. Um, earlier in the year, right out of the blue. I had um, thrombosis, and still there's no conclusion of why I could have got that. Normally you get it from surgery or traveling or being confined space or something, and all my health markers and blood and everything was was always perfect. So it was a big shock out of the blue uh, that that happened, and because of that, um, for a period of time you can't fly. So unfortunately, that ran into the time when I was. Um, was supposed to be coming to Saltara. So, yeah, hopefully, uh, there's no uh, calamities this year and uh, I can get out there, man. Um, I've been out there with Gal, my wife. I've been with my son, Lewis, and my daughter, Tani. Now she's 20 years old and she's very interested in in coming for the experience as well. So, we've had the whole family there if we do that.
0: Right on, bringing the whole clan.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: So, you we're wrestling with you had quite a crazy year you were wrestling with thrombosis like this was kind of during the during the lockdowns and the pandemic which was a stressful yeah, time inter- had-
1: interestingly um i don't know too much about it but i got a friend of mine that's had three different cancers and he got over them without any uh conventional medicine or any drugs or anything like that and he follows a system called new german medicine where their belief is behind every illness there's a psychological um pattern and the psychological trigger for thrombosis in their in their beliefs and their diagnosis is like having a ball and chain around your foot like you can't move there's no freedom and bang when did it happen like right after the lockdown which really I found very stressful because I'm like a free spirit, man, a free bird. I go and do what I want to do when I want to do it. And I've always been like that. I've never worked for anybody. I created this career in bodybuilding, which allowed me to do what I wanted to do and live life on my own terms. And then to be told, like, you literally can't leave your house for months. We could just leave the house to go to the supermarket or the gas station or the drugstore. I'm not saying I complied with it totally. Uh, because I got out when I could get out. But um, it's definitely um, a shock, and also I could kind of read a lot of stuff that was going on behind it and then still is going behind it, in my opinion. So maybe that was the trigger. I don't know. There was nothing physical that anyone could could point to. Um, so there was that, and this really um, kind of put me into kind of depression as well, which would have yeah. been, probably would have been great if I could have got out there, got to Saltara and got some help, but that wasn't possible either. And then, you know, I'm recovering from the thrombosis and um, I think the fact that I've always been so active and so fit and all of a sudden I had this thing that was could be life-threatening and again meant I couldn't move again. It's the longest period of my life that I haven't been able to exercise mm. properly. Um, so when I did get over it, I started biking and <clears throat> I like to bike out here, good weather, but nice mountains, lovely scenery to go biking. And I went one Sunday morning and it was not even a challenging bike ride. It was along a nice flat, um, sail on the beach. I went across the bridge, but it had something on there. I don't know what it was, whether it was algae from the sea or something, but it was very slippy. Uh, quite a few people fell over on that spot mm. that day. And the bike just went from underneath me. I must have landed on my arm and totally dislocated my shoulder. So wow. the whole shoulder was hanging out of the joint. I couldn't move it. And it tore a couple of tendons, it tore the ligaments. Um. So again, kind of back to square one as far as being able to do anything. I was in a sling doing rehab. Um, I was advised surgery, but I didn't want to do that because I've had surgeries before and it takes a long time to heal. Yeah. And... I mean, you don't know what the outcome is going to be. Nobody can guarantee it, right? So you could be in pain, and inconvenience, not not able to move and then take six months to get back to where you were and still it's not much better. So what I'm trying to do is I'm doing a lot of rehab with it and so on to try and strengthen the joints and uh, hopefully be able to avoid the surgery. It's not uh, 100% at the moment, but, it's, you know, everyday stuff, it's okay. So, uh I'm getting there, man. But it, yeah, it was a very tough year all around. And, uh, Sony, now I'm like feeling a lot better. and I can look back and try to say, well, what can I learn from that? Yeah. You know, cause when you're in the thick of it, there's not a lot of learning going on because if you're stressed and, you know, stress makes you stupid. They can't even think straight. So yeah. now I'm kind of out of it and I feel a lot calmer. I'm, I'm looking back and seeing what I can learn from that. And, um, Being at Saltara will probably be a great opportunity for me to process through that all more because everything, whether we perceive it to be good or bad, everything has lessons in there um, that you can learn. So hopefully that's what I'm going to get from it. Um, I probably am already.
0: Well, yeah, man, it was was definitely a a, a rough patch there. We had a conversation one time, I think... uh, around July, I think either you called me or I called you, I can't remember, but I, I was, uh, right in the thick of the stress there too. I I ended up driving down to Manuel Antonio just to, at like four in the morning, I just had to leave my apartment because I was just so stressed out with, you know,
1: trying to figure out
0: what's going on. And then I went down there and you and I had a call right in the middle of, uh, of the 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 pandemic there was like in costa rica here everything was still shut the parks were shut ended up going to a luxury hotel and getting the penthouse suite for like 25 percent of the price just because there was nobody in the hotel i was the only guy in the hotel it was it was crazy um but yeah you um you kind of on top of the the health challenges you've had this year and just the, the stress of the lockdown, you know, you've, you've also kind of done a bunch of research into different theories about what was going on. Uh, yeah. So you've got an interesting take on that. Do you care to share uh, any perspectives on?
1: Yeah, well, it was not really um, just research that I did when this event started. Um, because I have been following alternative news or whatever you want to call it um, what really goes on behind the scenes in the world I've kind of been exposed to that a long time ago so um, <clears throat> I, I knew when it started I didn't, I didn't know exactly how this whole thing's going to play out but I knew it's not what as extreme as as we've been told that this is a pandemic that's life-threatening and would have shut down the globe for it, um, I mean, if you look at the statistics, which are, which is hard to do sometimes, because um, there's been a policy which has almost been passed down in the UK. Um, I saw one of the paperwork from one hospital that somebody worked there showed me. And it was how to identify a COVID case, and you didn't even need to have a, a positive test, which. Uh, If you do your research into PCR tests, and even the guy that made the PCR test said it's never should be used to identify a virus. And in fact, this virus, COVID-19, has never been isolated. So how can you identify something that you can't recognize because it's never been isolated? So my take on it is it's a global bid to permanently change society. And there's a few things with that, the introduction of AI uh, that's coming in, um, a crash and a change in the financial system. And people like us, I mean, uh, that have a business, we're under attack somewhat. Because if you've got a small or medium business, you can be kind of somewhat independent from the system to a degree. Right. Um, And I think what is being planned is over the next 10 years is really a two-tier system where you've got the elite and uh, then you've got people that are reliant on the government and on their digital, digital currency that they'll be receiving. And uh, I do believe population reduction is, uh, is part of that plan. And it's not, you know, there's been stated by quite a few people involved in this, including Bill Gates, Gates himself. Is that if they do a good job, and this is his words from a, a TED talk or whatever he did. If they do a good job with uh, Planned Parenthood, in other words, abortions, um, healthcare and vaccin- vaccinations, they should be able to bring down the world's figure population by about 30%. So, you know, the, there it is. There's uh, some people in control that are eugenicists and I believe they want to bring in new society and those things are... Um, parts of the new society that they they want to bring in the new world order or global globalization, whatever you want to call it, under the guise of, um, you know, protecting the planet from certain things like global warming that doesn't even exist anyway. Mm. Briefly, that's my take on it. And is it going to happen? I don't know. I hope not. And because the thing is, this situation is bringing pressure to people. A lot of people are in fear. And they're easy to control. But there's a lot of people as well that are waking up. And even if they were not like myself, that kind of were exposed to information before and they could see a lot of things in history and uh, and news and everything or, or blatantly untrue. And they believed everything they saw. Even a lot, a lot of those people are saying, hey, now, like, listen, something doesn't make sense and we're losing our freedoms. We're losing our uh, human rights. And maybe that's like, you know, what's got to happen. And um, there's kind of um, a struggle now between dark and light almost, if you like.
0: Mm.
1: And uh, it's funny because I kept saying, when I was feeling like stressed and down and everything, I was talking to myself like, man, don't you remember your words at Saltara that you said because you felt inspired to say to people there? And what I said and was just, you know, when you're in that, when you've done ceremonies and you're in that space and you just feel like there's a ton of information coming and you get getting inspiration, you're getting downloads, you know, all kinds yeah. of ideas. Even I get like business ideas and things like that after ceremonies. It's like my brain is working like a computer. Mm-hmm. And um, I said, I think the world is going to go through something and it's going to be like childbirth. Mm. So, like childbirth, is going to be all chaotic and messy and painful and screams and blood and shit and everything. It's going to be coming out, but then you get this beautiful new life coming out—a new, mm. a new life. That's childbirth, but it's you know it's painful and messy. So I'm hoping that that's the road that we will eventually go down. And in order for that to happen, uh, the old thing's got to fall apart, and people have got to be Shook up and feel very uncomfortable for change their thinking, their perspective on things. So, how does
0: it feel right now in in Europe, where you are right now? Do you do you feel like the last say three to six months have influenced your 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 kind of visions one way or the other?
1: Well, you know, the, I can see the plan. By the way, there's you know there there were um, I don't know if you can still find it now, but there was even a, um, a whole plan on um, the Rockefeller Institute website called Operation Lockstep. So all the things they're going to do and like possibilities and you know all the different scenarios were studied and how many people would not want to comply and what would they would do if this happened and that happened, all that stuff. Um, so the information is out there. It's not you know, you, you can go um, find it. So what I can see in Europe is it's just rolling out more, like as far as uh, we didn't, there was no talk about masks or initially masks were like, most of the experts are saying masks don't work, uh, you know, no point wearing masks. And now everywhere is like mandating you have to wear a mask, which again is for me is another, you know, it, it's another kind of your freedom to be identified, your freedom to speak, your freedom to breathe the air is being taken away. And people are getting used to it. It's just part of everyday life now. They just wear a mask. And you even see like the billboards now advertising a new car. There's a lady there with a car with the mask on. Like this is the new fucking thing that, that and people get used to it. Mm. Um, and I've seen when they had violent demonstrations um, from, Black Lives Matter and Antifa and these all these organizations, which I don't believe has got anything to do with helping Black lives. By the way, um, they would basically give free rein to to run riot across major cities, smash things up, burn things, pull down statues, loot, and the police stood down. They let them do it. The politicians who uh, ultimately are in charge of the police, which the police are supposed to be there to serve the public. That's originally the idea. Now they're just a private security force for the for the elite. Mm. Um, so they let all that happen. But now you have very peaceful protests against the lockdown measures, against the closure of businesses, and against the possible mandate, of fact, all these things. And the police are literally wading in there and beating people up and arresting people for nothing.
0: Spraying on um, fire hoses. But this
1: is all going on. This this is a hundred percent going on, man. I've seen some terrible things happening to people. Women being arrested and being assaulted, being beaten, just for being in a peaceful protest. And the <clears throat> the people that are in the peaceful protest are very um uh, how do we say they're very careful not to get pulled in. Or, you know, sucked in to, to react violently, which must be sometimes a natural reaction to defend yourself against this kind of a thing. Um, but they're not doing that. Uh, and, and still they're being, you know, they're being assaulted and being arrested. Uh, I've had the same thing with gyms. A couple of gyms tried to open. There's one pro bodybuilder in UK called Nathan diasher He has a gym in Liverpool. And the police came there and uh, arrested him, handcuffed him and beat him up like 10 of them when he's got the handcuffs on. And this is this kind of behavior that the police, so that must be mandated somewhere. They must be told this is what we need you to do, and they're just carrying out the orders, Uh, which happens when people get a badge and a uniform. They feel this sense of power, and uh, it gets out of control. Mm -hmm. I got a T-shirt. It's got mushrooms on. How about that? (laughs) So, yeah, I see see the agenda rolling forward. And now UK is is a lot of, uh, I think, nearly 20 million people have uh, vaccinations. And I think what we're going to see there is we're already seeing some people with immediate side effects and some deaths. Uh, I do believe that over the next few years that uh, people will be affected by these vaccines and they'll all get pretty sick.
0: Are you planning to get a vaccine, Dorian?
1: Absolutely not. I will do everything I can to avoid having the vaccine. I want to be responsible for my health and what goes into my body. And I don't want, you know, if you look on the list of things that's in the vaccine, which how many people do that? It's a fucking joke, man. People are having something stuck in their arm and they don't even know what's in there. There's aborted fetus cells. There's all kinds of chemicals. And uh, the new vaccine is not even a vaccine. It's a messenger RNA medicine that's never been tested. And the manufacturers... Have no liability. They made sure they have no liability for any kind of damages. So, why would they need that? Uh, so, you put in untested uh, things in your system for something that statistically has a recovery rate of around 99.7% across the board. And there's very few young and healthy people without some serious disease dying from this. So, it's just like the flu. Uh, old and infirm people and people with the compromised immune systems are at risk and mm. they should be protected and uh, and, and that's it, logically. Uh, that's all that needs to happen. So in my mind, there is no pandemic. Uh, you know, I, I live here in Spain. I, I don't personally know anyone that even got sick, let alone died. I mean, if right. it was like the plague or something where we need to lock down the world and be scared of each other, Where's the bodies, man? Where's the bodies on the streets? And a lot of people have been going to hospitals that are supposed to be full and filming them, and they're empty. Mm -hmm. They opened two huge facilities in the UK. Uh, I think they're called Nightingale Hospitals. One in London, it was a huge temporary uh, hospital with a morgue in there and everything. Guess what? It never got used. It was all there as part of the fear. You know, look, wow, they're building a huge morgue and how many people are going to die and and all this stuff. So it, apparently people under 60 in UK is 300 people that have died. So hmm. it's hardly a deadly, um, you know, there's no reason to lock the world down. I'm not saying nothing exists. I'm not saying nobody got sick. I'm not saying nobody died. I'm saying uh, it comes out in figures about the same as the flu which, funnily enough, now the flu seems to have disappeared. Yeah. Yeah? So what's happened with the flu? Has it disappeared or has it just been allocated to a different box on the piece of paper? So they were, I don't know if now, but they were, as I said, I saw some paperwork. So how did they diagnose a COVID patient? It was somebody with basically with breathing difficulties that may have it, but we haven't tested them yet okay, yeah, the guy's got cancer and, or heart disease or something, but yeah, he's got this. So they they were putting that on the desk of course. Even the government and the authorities have admitted that now, but it just gets glossed over and just, the whole thing carry, rolls on.
0: Mm-hmm. Are things opening up a little more in Spain right now? Or is it still... It's on and
1: off in Spain. We had the two months, which was a total lockdown, and then we're having like partial lockdown on a regional basis. So where I live in uh, Marbella, which is in the Malaga um, province right now, everything is open until six o'clock. Until six o'clock. Two weeks ago, gyms were not open. Only outdoor facilities, which fortunately there was one or two here. So we could get and go do some, some training, some stuff. Uh, Now the gyms are open, but everything is closed at six o'clock. After that, uh, if you want any, you know, uh, food or anything, there's deliveries. But, you know, all the supermarkets are open, all the big corporate stores are open, and uh, but, you know, everyone's fine with that, but the gyms are not open. Right. So, you know, it's like if you look for logic in this situation, you just get frustrated because there's none there. Yeah. Um, but it seems to me that the smaller and medium businesses are being purposely uh, targeted.
0: It does seem that way. I've, I've thought that myself and I've found the same frustration trying to seek logic in what's uh, in the actions that have been taken around the world. Because if you're looking at something that has a low fatality rate for people who are healthy and active and have strong immune systems, but then you intentionally put them in situations that compromise their immune systems like hyper-stress, hyper-fear, limiting people's ability to go and exercise, keeping people locked in their house, get seasonal affective disorder.
1: It's, it's never about health. The government's never interested in your health. Right. When you get to be 65 or wherever it is, in France I think they pushed it back to 70 or something. That's why they had so many riots in France before this whole thing started. Uh, the government's got to start paying you then. So, I mean, if, if the government was Interest in your health, they will tell you to eat a great diet, exercise, make sure you have very adequate vitamin D levels, which is very important for the immune system and various other things, but they don't tell you that they're in bed with the pharmaceutical companies, some of the the, the people in the uk government they've had grants off the Bill and Gates Melinda um, Foundation, whatever it 's called, you know for twenty and thirty million millions. And then their friends are getting all the contracts for, for the you know safety wear and the, you know, all this kind of stuff, so those guys are getting paid, but they, you know they're just like puppets, they're just prostitutes that uh, read off a sheet, and they you know they appear to be incompetent and a little bit stupid sometimes, and it's all an act, man. they know what they're doing, uh, and they're, they're working on the behalf of some very powerful uh, groups. <laughs>
0: Do you ever see stuff like this in your ayahuasca ceremonies?
1: I never did, no. Um, I've seen it outside, but I've never had any more further insight into it inside. And um, you've got to be careful, you know, like I go in and out of receiving the information because I basically know what's going on. But if I want to stud, like, study all day and read this all day, I can find out more information, more in-depth, more validation to what I'm already thinking. But it gets overwhelming. And then your your vibration, your energy comes down, and that's not good. So you've got to find a way to know what's going on, but still try to like keep some light and some joy and, and happiness in your life with, with whatever you, whether you can, with your family, with the people you love. And... Uh, you know, turn it on its head. If you're stuck at home, okay, then I can take a chance to study more, do something, learn something. You know, whatever. That's kind of like where I'm getting with it. Um, so I'm aware of what's going on, but I don't kind of look at it all day because it's not going to change it too much. Um, I always come back to like, got to kind of work on yourself because ultimately, that's the only the only thing you can you can control. You know, maybe. Somebody hears me speaking today and then it sparks something and they go look and uh, they change their view and there's another person that's like, um, you know, on the right side of the fence, if you like. Uh, so maybe me just talking has been helpful to somebody. By the way, you're talking about the effect on people and health. I don't know the figures, but in UK, I mean, in Spain, it's it's okay because I had a health problem here. I got straight to hospital and, you know, a gal could come visit me. My friends could come visit me. But in the UK, you're not, you're not even allowed to go. My son's mom, Lewis's, Lewis's girlfriend's mom, so his mother-in-law, basically, uh, has gone into hospital with some serious open-heart surgery. And the family's not even allowed to go in and see her. They're not allowed in the hospital. Uh, and then people with cancer, with heart disease, other serious diseases, were not being, they were not being treated they were being told no because too busy with COVID patients, which was bullshit. So people were dying from not having treatment. Um, suicide rates in the UK are 50% up. I don't yeah. know what the figure is of that, but it's, it's you know it's a lot, man. And this is all down to this situation. People losing their livelihood, their businesses, wondering how they're going to survive, how they're going to look after their family. I mean, it's. It's just a lot of pressure for people. And that's, you know, again, the government don't give a shit about you, man. They don't Mm -hmm. care. Um, If they cared, then they would look at those figures and say, oh, well, this doesn't make sense. Um, But they don't. And and you're under some great illusion if you think they do. Look back at history. Since when the government told the truth and and cared about people, they never did. So why is it going to be any different now? Yeah. Look at how many people were, how many people were killed in uh in, in Russia with the communist revolution and the, you know millions and millions of people. So this this stuff happens man it's happened in the past and it can happen again in the future.
0: Yeah. You know I wonder if um if okay so there's a lot of people right now that are experiencing mental health issues depression, anxiety, a sense of kind of existential dread, because you're constantly wondering, is this going, you know, is this going the way of the conspiracies? Is this going the way of the global elite takeover? Is this going the way of climate change, of overpopulation, of rainforest destruction? You know, all of those Disasters that we fear that are looming—you know, financial crash, markets crash, currency collapse—and that all of that stuff that we hear all the time, whether it's social media or um, or on the internet or on the mainstream news, just this constant pressure of anxiety, forest fires, hurricanes, whatever it is—it creates a sense of anxiety and. I wonder, I've wondered this a couple of times, if there was a very clear knowledge of what the outcome was going to be, if we woke up tomorrow and heard that, okay, there's an asteroid that's coming to Earth, it's going to wipe us out. It's yeah. going, there, There's we have no chance of, of getting out alive. We've got two years or one year to live and we're all going to die. I wonder how that would affect the population i wonder if there would be some people who like you said were are aware of what's going on but can still live life brightly and still enjoy like if you if you knew that there was an asteroid coming and was going to burn the the entire planet
1: but how would i know that then how would i know there's an asteroid coming because i saw it on cnn i guess yeah um, so I mean you know that could be false information in itself so you never really know but I, I get where you are going. what what would you do if that was the case I mean I,
0: well how I'm really what I'm getting at is is the ability to manage your internal barometer your internal mindset your internal emotional yeah. state of being regardless of what um what miserable circumstances might be around you, whether that's for real or whether that's just perceived?
1: Yeah, I think it's uh, keep going back to going, going within, you know, I mean, it's not easy, man. I mean, I do my sometimes I I kind of go in a phase where I find it very difficult to do and I'll take a bit of time off. But um, normally I like to do some breathing and some meditation every day and like spend some time outside in the nature, walk with my shoes off. Do, do some things like that, I mean, which is all free as well. You know, there's no, you know, you don't need to go anywhere to do that. You don't need to pay anything. So you can do all that for free. Um, and try and look after myself. But, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I can't sit here with any magic answers, man. I mean, I'm, I suffer from depression and anxiety myself sometimes and uh, go through phases. Right now I'm feeling, I'm feeling better and whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And I'm just trying to do my part in it. Um, For instance, my daughter, Tani, I was talking about, she was 20 last week. And normally she comes out to... A couple of weeks ago, she was 20. And normally she comes out here and spends a birthday with me and, you know, we have that time together, a father and daughter. And she couldn't do that now. It's like... So again, you're you're like separating people, separating families. Uh, Even in the UK, they've got some rules like... They may have it here. I don't even know, but I don't really... Pay any mind to it. Like so, only so many people can go go to a house, and so many family members, and all this kind of stuff. It's, I mean, it's insane. And the, and the worst, um, I, I feel very bad for the kids, man, because they're growing up in this. Imagine being a kid and you're growing up, having to learning that you have got to be scared of your friends and you have got to wear a mask and you got to sit separately and not be too close to people. This is hugely damaging. Not, I mean, it's damaging to adults. Imagine what it's doing to a child that's, uh, that's developing. What kind of generation of children are going to come out of that? Or is that part of the plan that they will just be more compliant and, and hooked up to AI all the time? I don't know.
0: Yeah, man. It's just this focus on this singular metric, right, with this, this COVID cases and disregarding the harm being caused by the application of the tactics. Right. It's almost like it's almost like if your only goal is to lose weight, and that's the only metric you look at, except your your tactics to lose weight are like get addicted to smoking crystal meth. Right. And then so like you you're not looking at, you know, your teeth falling out, the scabs on your face, the you know, like <laughs> you're just looking at, is just looking at the, the weight loss. Yeah, right. It's it's like it's I mean, an irresponsible, irresponsible way, way to people. To I would have
1: thought, but still, um, you know, fear is a very powerful weapon, man. Fear and repetition. So we've had a year of this now of, of fear and repetition, and you know, I see people are scared here because if you don't wear a mask, they start freaking out. Do they? Like you know, you're going to kill them by by walking near them or something. They, they're literally. But if you watch TV all the time and you see the numbers and the. It's like a brainwashing program. Mm -hmm. And while we're on the subject of cases, so many new cases today, how do they identify the cases? Not people that are sick. It's people that get a positive test on the PCR test, which is useless. It's just some genetic material that's present in many places. So that's why you had a politician in uh, Austria. He did it in the parliament. He put the PCR test in a glass of Coca-Cola and sent it off, and it got positive. There's a president in Africa. He put it in a pawpaw, which is some kind of fruit from Africa. Got a positive. Elon Musk, he did four tests in a day. He got two negative and two positive. So the the test is bullshit. It's it's making scary figures like, oh, there's 10,000 new cases today. So in people's minds, oh, 10,000 people today are really sick. No. They're perfectly fine. They just got a positive test.
0: Well, statistically, you're fine. Statistically, 80% of those people wouldn't even have symptoms.
1: No, and like then, oh, yeah, but you can pass it on if you don't have symptoms. You know, it's, it's all bullshit. It's all fear. Um, and when you get people in a state of fear, they can't really think. Like, they can't critically think. You can't think properly. If I'm really stressed, I'm you know like I just say, stress makes you stupid. You can't think. Your brain is going into a kind of reptilian survival mode, reactive. It's not thinking; it's reacting, and uh, that's dangerous. But human psychology and all this stuff—I mean, it's been studied for decades and decades. Like, see, I have got papers. You can—they're open now. You can read about all these experiments they did with people, and so. You got all this information, you can almost predict how the population is going to react and how best to get them to do what you want them to do.
0: Where do you see China fitting into all this?
1: Uh, I don't know. I don't know if, like, if China's the model of the future society, possibly. I don't know if they started. I don't really have a strong opinion on that. Um, but China has the most, I think, the most surveillance in the world. And uh, so a lot of it could be modeled on the Chinese system. That's the theory of some people. I really don't know, but I have a friend in China, and life over there is is pretty much normal now. But you do need some kind of pass to travel around, which I don't know too much about, some app on your phone or something. But it's not at this point necessary to have a vaccine so I mean he's laughing at me because I'm in Spain and like is in China and he's on the beach at the mall and mm. all this stuff so seems to be that life is a little bit easier after the initial uh outbreak there which again we don't know too much about because all the news is controlled especially from from China even more so than anywhere else. And then you have got the blatant censorship on the social media platforms, and YouTube, and Facebook, and Instagram. Anything that doesn't follow the narrative is seen as a threat, and it's taken down by, you know, fact checkers. Mm-hmm. Or who, who's checking the facts, and who decides if they're facts or not? And when? Since when is okay? Like, if it's blatantly inciting violence or something like that, I'm sure you know. Yeah, take it down. But they're just taking down people's opinions because they don't follow the narrative. So then they have to shift from the major platforms to another platform to keep the information going out there. So it's a constant kind of back and forth. And you won't find out all these things unless you really go look.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You're not going to find them by what you on your TV. And if you just watch the TV all the time and then you're hearing what I'm saying, you're probably thinking, this guy's... Crazy, there's way too many conspiracy websites or something. Right? But you're, you're only getting one very narrow source of information from your TV. You might have 300 channels on your TV. But ultimately, all those 300 channels are controlled by one or two groups that, that are related. If you follow all the threads up and all the, the companies and uh, news agencies and all this stuff, where the, where the information is coming from. So it's controlled it's controlled information with one narrative with a little you know little mm-hmm. left and right twist on it, but left and right is like wings on a bird that's still the same bird flying the same way
0: <laughs> right on um, yeah that's uh it's interesting to see the diversity of realities that people are living in right now, yeah even yeah, in my own some family
1: are, you know maybe they're more spiritually in tune or advanced than myself that they, they seem to be very calm and not really looking into anything they're just they're just uh, living and uh, as positive as they can and focusing on a positive outcome so maybe that's the way to do it um, but I, I definitely got a little bit of work before I get there
0: hmm. yeah I've got I've got uh, three sisters plus me, four kids in the family. One sister is pretty much full-on mainstream. Um, yeah. You know, her her husband works for the government, so it's all about the government narrative. It's all about COVID's terrible. Lockdowns are good. Wear masks everywhere. Um, get vaccines. It's like just th- basically that the the far side of that spectrum. I've got another sister who's QAnon, on basically who's right on the other side of that spectrum. COVID's a hoax. It's all Bill Gates. It's 5g. It's the reptilians. It's, um, you know, not wear a mask at all costs. It's never take a vaccine. I've got another sister who's kind of caught in the middle. And then, you know, I'm just, I'm just more of a pragmatist. Like I'm not denying the existence of the pandemic. Okay. But I'm also pragmatic thinking like, okay, pandemics happen, things happen. You don't shut down the world for it. This is nature, nature.
1: In human history, you know, then you've got a guy uh, and people like Bill Gates, who's a eugenicist, and his father was a eugenicist. His grandfather was a eugenicist. So they believe in population control. So the guy that's believing in population control is telling you to take a vaccine to save your life so you can continue living. It doesn't make sense. And, and look what happened with the people in India and in Africa where Gates was testing out vaccines. A lot of people became sterile. A lot of people got polio. People died. Um, and, and, you know, it's like I got a sister as well, and we don't talk really too much about it, kind of like we did it a couple of times, and I could see that you know, she believes the the mainstream narrative pretty much. So, you know, I choose not to just, I just don't go there because if somebody is so far away, you're not going to convince them because they already have their position. Right. You can try and share a little bit. And, and uh, you know, I'd rather just talk to my sister and have a sister-brother relationship and a conversation without having this, like, split us apart with having opposing views and arguing about it or something. So that's what I do. If, if I see that people are receptive, I'm, I'll share information with them, share my opinion. If they're really not and they're like far away, I'll just, what's the point, man? Just uh, let them live in their own world. If they want to know my opinion, they can always ask me. But I try, to, I try to handle it like that.
0: Sure. How do you think we got so divided like this as a culture?
1: Oldest tactic, going man, divide and conquer, right? If if all the people are united on something, then it will be very hard uh, to control them. So you divide them into into factions. Um, that's what they did with the African slaves in the US. Uh, you know, they had a whole policy of dividing them up into different groups. They like have the field workers and the house workers, and they'll hate each other because. One's got a better life than the other. And then you have the boss guy and then the other guys. and uh, it, it, it was a policy that um, plantation owners sat down and discussed and decided on right, that was the best way to, to manage the slave population. So that's what, you know, same thing happens in society. You've got left wing, you've got right wing, you've got, you know, believe in this, believe in that. Um so, you know, I, I kind of believe, I respect some people's um, right to do and believe what they want to do, uh, just advise them to try to be informed as they can and have an open mind because what you believe today could be even, you know, I could be wrong about some of this stuff and could call you next week and say, hey, Dan, I found out something else. And the, you know, But generally, I think I'm on the right track and I had probably – 20 years of being exposed to this kind of information through books, through videos, and uh, on the world system and the world elites and the plan of Agenda 21, Agenda 30, and all these things. I mean, they're, they're written down. They, you know, it's under the guise of kind of saving the planet and so on, but it, it's, it's all there if you want to go look for it.
0: Have you heard anything about the so-called Great Reset that was being discussed uh, in Switzerland? This year,
1: I haven't heard much about it, but generally, that I mean, the the financial system is unmanageable anyway. They're just printing, printing, printing money, and it's losing value every year, every year. So, I think what they want to do is to get into a place where it's not it's not recoverable, and then problem, reaction, solution. That's that's the old tactic. You create the problem, people react, and then you offer them the solution. Oh, there's a financial crisis. Everyone's starving and, uh, you know, uh, everyone's lost all their money and people have food and, okay, they're desperate now. We give them a solution, which is what we wanted to happen anyways. And now they'll agree to it because they're in a position where they need it. So I think that may be where we're heading, to a digital currency which can be controlled and... uh, let's say, <clears throat> if you were um, totally reliant on digital currency, and then if you did something that the government doesn't like, they could just turn off your off your currency, just turn it off. Turn off your, you know, all, all your, everything, just turn it off and you wouldn't be able to survive or you'd have to go back to nature. And probably we will get some people that are going to split off and do that as well.
0: Well, that's similar to what China's doing right now with the social credit system.
1: Yeah, I don't know too much about that. I haven't discussed that with my friend, but I think uh, you get so much money or um, depending on certain factors of uh, how you are in society, but I don't don't know too much about it. Yeah, it's
0: basically a series of metrics that essentially judge whether you're behaving as a good citizen or not. And then, okay. and then if you are not behaving, they can do things like turn off your ability to travel, uh, yeah. turn off your ability to drive a car, get a bank account, stuff like that. I don't know a ton about it either, but a lot yeah, of but the, it, the question it's, is
1: always who decides. Yeah. Big brother. Who decides, who decides what's a good citizen?
0: Exactly. It's somebody yeah. that
1: just follows all the rules which the um, controlling government dictates.
0: Yeah. And, so if you uh, want to
1: oppose them, then you wouldn't be able to, or you—you you would, you know, at least you would have to survive independently of, of anything from the government.
0: Nor could you even mount a rebellion because there's so much surveillance and so much control, so they can stomp out any kind of uprising right at the root, right at the beginning.
1: Yeah, that's that's uh, definitely one future that's planned. Whether we're going to go there or not, I think is up to us as a collective and the way we're all um, manifesting.
0: So, what should we do then as a collective to better unify ourselves and and assemble more power in the face of potentially nefarious forces above? I
1: think, I think communicating is great, but that's getting a bit more difficult because the main platforms are getting. So controlled now, they're they're taking information down as soon as it goes up, Uh, and then people are finding alternative ways to do that. Um, I'd like to see more, um, like more groups, more mass uh, meditations and manifestations and stuff like that, because uh, it's been proven to work. Like I was reading some, I think it was Lebanon or some war-torn like place. They had a mass meditation there, and within twenty-four hours, um, the shooting had literally stopped. So many people focusing on uh, a certain outcome—it's like the Matrix, or the computer, or the Maya, or the reality, whatever you want to call it—is is pliable, depending on how we're all thinking. Mm. So, even being informed about the negative. Plans and, and possi- possibilities, as I said, it's good to be informed. But if you're in it too much, then you you know you start vibrating on that level almost. Like it's going to be inevitable. Oh, what can I do? And okay, you're almost helping to manifest it then. And uh, I struggle with that myself to get the, the balance between that. I'm still working on that.
0: So you have come out of... Um... For those who don't know, you, you won Mr. Olympia, uh, six times and yeah. then your career was put to a, a, a pretty quick end as far as competition due to, uh, an injury that you got or two injuries, yeah. right? You tore your bicep and your tricep, was it?
1: Bicep and bicep muscle and tricep tendon were two injuries that I had. Yeah. And which in the end made it not possible for me to train properly and compete in that sport. So uh, that's why I retired, and that was was really devastating to me at first because it was a sport, and there's a lot of sports, where people just put 100% in there. And it is, you know, you, you kind of escape from the world, and you've got this tunnel vision, and you've got this goal, it's all-consuming, and you almost don't take part in the rest of life you're in this tunnel and you feel like a warrior that's going to battle and all this stuff. And uh, then when it's gone, you're like kind of questioning who you are and and what's your role in life and so on. So I went through that, some kind of crisis for a couple of years and uh, eventually came out of it to say, okay, it is what it is. You did this thing and but life doesn't need to be all that consuming and and one-dimensional and focused you've got freedom now and you've got opportunities. You can do things. You can travel and go and do things. You don't have to run a schedule. You don't have to eat six times a day. You don't have to sleep 10 hours a day if you don't want to. You don't even have to go to the gym if you don't want to. Um, mostly I want to, so I do. I still enjoy training, always have done. Um, but it kind of opened the doors to a lot of other stuff and the, uh, Some of it a bit excessive, you know, And I became a single guy, I hadn't been a single guy in my twenties. So like my twenties, single years, I basically relived them in my forties. Um, so I don't know if I told you the story, Dan, but it's, uh, it's a kind of a funny, entertaining story about my first introduction to ayahuasca and kids like, don't try this at home. No, I'm just telling what I did, which is crazy. Because I was ignorant. I didn't know anything. So I was in Brazil where I met Gal, who became my wife. We did an appearance together in there in Brazil. And uh, we decided to go together to the Amazon and do a trip out there in the Amazon. And I knew a guy out there, contacted him and arranged for us to go on a, a boat trip for a few days down the Amazon. You know, we got fish on the boats and we're going to stop at night. and We're going to sleep and we're going to see all this stuff. uh, It's lovely, yeah? But before we went, we were in the city. And at this point, I was, you know, I was a party dude, man. I was drinking. I was doing coke and ecstasy and stuff. So I'm in Brazil. Wow, I should get some coke. It must be pretty good here. So I got some coke and I was drinking. The next day we went on the boat. And I kinda of heard of this stuff called ayahuasca, this drink thing that's you know supposed to give you all these visions and spiritual lessons and you know fly through the jungle and a fucking leopard or something. I don't know. Anyway, I I asked the guy who was our guide. I said, Hey man, this this stuff, this ayahuasca, this can you get this? He was like, Yeah, I can get it, man. I mean, at a price, right? Everything at a price. And it wasn't cheap. So he got at me. And to this day I don't really know if it was ayahuasca, but I think it was because it tasted pretty foul and it looked brown. But he gave me two little bottles full. I mean, there was like when I come to Saltara and do stuff properly now, I mean we have a shot. It's not it's not a huge amount, but this was like two big doses. And um and they had they had a guy on the boat who was a native from there and I was speaking to him, so he should know his stuff, right? He's like, you're going to do ayahuasca today? I said, yeah. He said, you like to smoke weed, do you? I said, yeah, normally, yeah. He said, well, no, no, you, today you can't smoke. Today, you, you you know, you can't smoke weed. Just one day. I said, okay, good to know, good to know, man. He's like, but uh, come with me, come with me. He took me into this, the captain's little thing in the, in the boat, and they had three big lines of coke on there. He took one, the captain took one, and he said, there you go. Take that. I'm like, well, I'm doing ayahuasca later on. I shouldn't. I sh- probably shouldn't do this, right? So like, no, nah, no, nah, this is okay. Just don't smoke any weed today. So that was my instructions. It's a
0: little bit backwards.
1: For doing ayahuasca. <laughs> so I, I did it. I went on the beach. Gal came with me, and I said, Gal, we. I mean, we just met like a week before or something." So I said, "Look, I'm going to do this thing. I'm probably going to throw up. I might shit myself. I don't know what's going to happen, but it's not going to be pretty, yeah." So do you want to come and like help look after me? You're going to see me at my worst. So if you still like me after that, then maybe we got something going, right? And, uh, yeah, not surprisingly, I was very, very sick, very ill, vomiting so much. Hmm. And it was, it was horrible. And I was waiting for this stuff to happen. And these visions and these voices and nothing was happening, man. And I was like, where is it? Where's this stuff and everything. And I thought, that I didn't get anything from it, but then afterwards I remembered there, were, there was a voice in my head. It was just saying the same thing over and over again: "Stop poisoning yourself." Yeah, yeah, but what, what about the the snakes and the and the fly-through? No, no, no. Stop poisoning yourself. stop poisoning yourself? This was the repetitive message that I got, mm. and it was only years later when I gave all that stuff up that the mother kind of came back into my life. And it was actually from a vision of a friend of mine, a lady that I was kind of helping. Um, But she's very spiritually aware. And she was painting and she was painting, she said I was painting something for hours. And I saw this vision. And she said there were three little Indian guys squatting on the floor with like a bucket and a stick and they were stirring this stuff like liquid. I don't know what it is, but they were stirring it and they were just chanting your name. She said, like, I, I don't know what it means. Do you know what it means? And coincidentally, before that, before she told me that, two weeks before that, my yoga teacher had asked me if I wanted to go to ayahuasca. And I was like, nah, I don't know. I don't think so. I did that before. It wasn't that great. And then I got this the lady with the dream. And I'm like, shit, that's ayahuasca. And I've been invited to a ceremony. She said, you got to go, you got to go. And then, sometime later, she had another dream, and she said, I can see you somewhere in the jungle, in South America. You're doing ayahuasca, and you've got a film crew with you. I'm like, well, you were right the first time. I don't know how this is going to happen, but maybe you'll be right on that one as well. And, of course, uh, Last time I was out there, we we filmed with the uh, Generation Iron. So was that the last time you were like, here? I see my journey with Mother Ayahuasca. Like the first time, she was just like, "I can't work with you. You're too toxic. Like, mm. stop poisoning yourself. Come back later." And it was years later when the opportunity came again, and I was in a much better place. And uh, and that's where it started, man. And then you know we started talking about me coming to Saltara, and I did. And and one of the camps, we did have a camera crew there as well. So it's very interesting the way these things work. It's almost, I think it's almost like the plant knows who she wants to come there at this time. And then you hear about people that wanted to come and then everything was against them and all the places were taken. And then at the last minute, somebody dropped out and they were able to make it stuff like that is always is always happening at the camps Mm -hmm. so i think there's a kind of intelligence at work here that i certainly can't understand but it's it's way way higher than our intelligence
0: well that i guess is a good segue um to talk about your upcoming retreat at Soltara. you're coming back uh when when is it august
1: August. i don't have the exact dates here but it's august and i'm sure that you'll, you know be on the website and everything um and i will once we firm everything up i'll let people know on my social media channels and, and, and so on i mean i get so many people now that are interested that come and talk to me especially from the fitness world because they know that i've been and i've done it and we've had the camps uh so there's a lot of people out there that are, that are curious and and spiritually on a journey, and they see that this could be a part of the journey or it could help them on their journey. Um, you know, I've done three camps with Saltara now, and the, we got the whatsapp groups that we come that we uh, make when we're there at the camp. and I'm not on there all the time, but I see like almost daily the the people communicating with each other, sharing information, sharing news sharing videos and it's like a brotherhood and a sisterhood and a a family that these people that have done this gone through this experience together they're kind of bonded together for forever um so that's really nice for me to see that i brought these these uh, these people all together from all over the world and now they're you know they're like friends and they're visiting each other and uh all that kind of stuff so that's that's great that's that's what we need man more of a uh, a community, so somehow, uh, definitely Saltara is doing that, and somehow I'm playing a little part in that. Hopefully, um, so that's why I'm excited to be able to come again and, and uh, bring a new group, or even some of the old faces might come along again. I don't know. Sometimes they do.
0: Right on, yeah. Um, it it was sad that you both you and Dennis couldn't come in november due to different reasons so it was it was
1: uh i must it have been was, like really hard for you guys and also very disappointing for the people that were booked in i don't know what happened in the end
0: well it, it was a complicated year man all kinds of stuff happened you know and we're yeah. just we're just grateful that we came out of it uh in good condition and you know we we had we had a bit of a challenging month in november getting back operational again and and you know with you and dennis both dropping off there were a couple weeks that were pretty sparse but other than that i mean things have been great for us here pretty much i mean a little extra complications of course due to all the different you know uh hiccups that people are experiencing trying to get down here whether it's travel restrictions or a, a positive pcr test and they they can't come you know we have to do that kind of stuff for liability and um, but so far so good. Um, so no worries there. Um, but yeah, you're coming down here in August. What else have you got going on? You've got your, 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 you're building out DY nutrition and your, it looks like you're doing a lot of personal training right now too.
1: Uh, well, I'm doing a lot of training online. I just opened uh DY Academy, which I can, you know, I'm making personal plans for people now for their diet, for their training. Some of those people are in gyms. Uh whether you know where they're open, some of them are not. So I've been doing that, which is good because I've been kind of unable to travel. Uh I've only just started traveling. I've been once to UK for Christmas and I've been once to Romania where my business partners are with DY Nutrition. So like every business, we've been affected. The nutrition business, of course, if gyms are closed, people are not taking so much sports nutrition and supplements and so on. So it's been it's been tough for people in the fitness industry, so the gym business and the supplement business. It's been tough. So, we had our own challenges uh, with that, but we're still, you know, we're still standing, we're still rolling. I got DY Academy, which is the online uh, training stuff. And uh, yeah, hopefully, our gyms are opening in the UK in April, uh, maybe some other countries in Europe. And hopefully, I can travel more freely and uh, start doing some more appearances. I mean, 2020 was a year of. I mean, 2019. I was at Saltara twice. I was in LA. I was in Vegas for the Mister Olympia. I was in Mexico. Was all over Europe. That's not that's my normal year, man. I'm like mm-hmm. travel quite a bit, which I enjoy. Uh, and stuck in being stuck in one place, and then for two months stuck in a house, it was like it was like torture. So I'm looking. Uh, getting back out there more. As I say, I'd just been to Romania for a couple of weeks. That was good. Romania is still fairly open. Uh, so we went there. I did some personal appearances there, uh, some talks, and a little bit of downtime on the ski resort, which I didn't ski. I don't need to fall over and hurt my shoulder again, but hmm. did go out on a snowmobile and stuff. That was cool. Um, so, yeah, quite, quite a few things going on, fortunately. As I said, our business is still still okay. It took a hit like everybody did, but uh, uh, a lot of business went under. So I'm yeah. grateful that didn't happen and now we're kind of climbing back up again. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to coming to Saltara, which is, um, I mean, it's amazing. And I feel like, even though it'll be quite a long time, I'm sure when I get there, I'll just be like being, being home again, being family. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see the... Uh, the shamans. I've had a couple of different uh, shamans when I was there. Both couples, right? A lady and a man, which I thought was great because it kind of brings that balance. Uh, and they're all, they're all amazing people, man. So it'll be like good to be in their presence. And I don't even know if they get affected by the situation or what they think about it. But I'd be interested to learn.
0: Right on, man. Well, uh, I'm glad to hear your business is alive. Still, yeah. I'm glad to hear you're recovering, almost almost back to back to the old Dorian from the shoulder injury and the thrombosis and uh, the stress of 2020. And um, yeah, man, I guess we'll get to hang out a bit in a few months here in person in Costa Rica. Hopefully, yeah, get to meet great, your daughter.
1: Man. As I said, my daughter is going to come, and we'll we'll spend some time there afterwards as well. I'll do some sightseeing and hang out. Such a beautiful place. Uh, so yeah, I really look forward to that, man. That will be, I'll uh, be amazing. And it'll be, it's been a, it's been a long break for me from, uh, doing any ceremonies. It'll probably be like more than a year lot and purge. Half, like 20 months or something. Man, um, before people are bringing Solitaire, a lot of stuff. Like maybe twi- twice a year. I did a few ceremonies. So, uh, yeah, Maybe it's good. I've had a break and I'll have a new whole uh, perspective on it. And I, f- I feel ready for it now. Like um, it, it'll be a good time to to become reacquainted with the with the mother. A reset. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
0: Not the great reset, <laughs> a good just the reset. personal reset. A good, reset. <laughs> good stuff, man. All right. Well, brother, thanks for making the time for me today. I appreciate uh, getting you on here. It was a pleasure, man. All right, man. Dorian Yates, everyone. Thanks, Dan. The Daniel Cleland Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today for the Daniel Cleland Podcast. We truly enjoy you sharing your time with us. If you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed sharing it with you, please like the episode, review the podcast, subscribe. If you're not already subscribed... These likes and reviews and subscriptions are the lifeblood of our show. So free for you, super important for us, like, subscribe, and review. Thank you so much. Of course, this podcast would not be possible without the continued amazing sponsorship of Soltara Healing Center in Costa Rica. If you feel called to work with plant medicines, ayahuasca, shamanismo, curanderismo from Peru, from the Peruvian Amazons to Costa Rica, check out Soltara Healing Center at soltara.co or conveniently 1 800 397 1730 or look us up on social media at Sultara Healing Center. All kinds of great content nonstop coming out down the pike every day just for you. Thanks again so much for joining. I appreciate it beyond words and I look forward to doing many more of these episodes for you and connecting. If you want to reach out to me, There's a contact form on my website, danielcleeland.com. Feel free to hit me up. I read every email and try to respond to all of them. Thanks again. Much love to you. And I hope we get to catch up soon. All the best.